Here at Calvary Chapel Northeast, it's our goal to make disciples of Christ by exalting our God, equipping believers, and engaging in our community. Thanks for tuning in to this week's CCNE podcast. All right. Good evening, everybody. Tonight, I'll be speaking on the five essentials of evangelism. It's been a while since I talked about any of the essentials, um, but this is a class that uh, we learned to teach in 10th hour, um, and it's kind of like our spin on it as graduates who have encountered the world outside of 10th hour, um, but still attempting to uh, bring the same core principles that we learned. So um, I'm going to pray, and then I guess we'll get into it. Father, I just pray that you would open our ears to what you have to say tonight. Um, These are good and true things that I know Hannah and David and I have prepared to speak. Um, But God, we just desire to be sensitive to the words that you are speaking tonight to our hearts. Um, We pray that you would motivate us um, to grow closer to you, closer to the truth in our lives, um, and live every day uh, just surrendered to what you would have for us, um, because uh, the days are getting shorter, God. We, we, everyone is saying it, and um, you have said it for quite some time now. Um, we trust you that you will return for us, and we anticipate that day, and we want the people around us to be looking forward to it as well. Um, so I pray that you would bless us this evening as we speak. Um, give us peace and confidence in the truths that you've given us to share. And uh, I pray this in Jesus' name. We love you. Amen. Uh, Has everyone seen Napoleon Dynamite? Okay, it looks like maybe 50-50, or some people are not reacting positively, so maybe they saw it and didn't like it. Um, In the movie Napoleon Dynamite, uh, there's a scene where Napoleon uh, wants to ask a girl to the dance, and so he draws a picture of her, and he goes to her house to give it to her. She's not home, but her mom answers the door, and uh, Uncle Rico is in their living room selling Tupperware to Trisha's mom, Uh, and Napoleon hands the invite to her her mom and asks her to give it to Trisha, and uh, Uncle Rico takes the opportunity to appeal to Trisha's mom uh, to appeal for some sympathy so that she'll buy the Tupperware from him and uh, tells him that he's, he's, you know, he's taken care of Napoleon and his brother and Napoleon still wets the bed and it's a tough situation. Um, we're not sure how much of that's true, but you, know, you can definitely discern that Napoleon is not a popular kid. So uh, the next scene in that context is Trisha on the phone with Napoleon accepting his request because her mom is forcing her to, because she felt bad for Napoleon when Uncle Rico told her that lie. So, uh, Trisha agrees, upon threat of death, it seems, uh, to go to the dance with Napoleon, and uh, she even says that she liked the drawing, which wasn't very good. Um, and, uh, And when they get there, they show up together, but she doesn't stay with Napoleon during the dance. So she was told to go 
with Napoleon. So she did, but she did not follow through in the dancing, uh, and she went off with her friends and left Napoleon by himself. Um, Jesus invites us to a dance, and right before he left, he, he specifically said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Sharing the good news is just like sharing any other thing. If you're excited about, like, a smoked turkey recipe or uh, a book or a movie, telling somebody that you made a new friend or you solved a problem at work or at home, uh, these are things that you will talk about with the people that you come in contact with. Um, when it comes to sharing the gospel, the good news, the best news, I would argue, the fact that Jesus died for our sins because he loves us, we, we tend to drop the ball. Um, all of us here evangelize to varying degrees, but we probably all have this nagging thought like, I should do it more, or like, that was an opportunity and I missed it. Um, I think that the should that we put on ourselves when it comes to sharing the gospel is why we fail to share. Um, just like Trisha's mom's insistence that she goes to the dance with Napoleon couldn't motivate her to actually dance with Napoleon, me saying, you have to go share the gospel is different than you actually having to share it. Like, if you have a desire to share that's so powerful, it's similar to needing to share it, that's different than me telling you with a wagging finger to share it. Um, nobody asks for uh, Bobby's opinion on Clemson's offensive play calling, <laughs> but we all have it, <laughs> right? That's because he cares very deeply about it. Uh, nobody tells Nick Malos to talk about his grandchildren, but he does so diligently every time I see him. I'm beginning to think they're the best grandchildren. <laughs> he shares with us something that he loves, you know? Um, whenever I notice I haven't been telling people about the gospel, it's usually because I've lost sight of how the good news applies to me. You and I are targets in the spiritual war for this world. Um, we are always being lied to by the world, our flesh, and the devil. I think that when a believer in Jesus Christ, someone who has heard the good news, that the creator sent his son to pay a ransom for their life so that they can live eternally in heaven with them or with him. When somebody who's heard that and believed it doesn't share that news, it's not just laziness and it's not a lack of concern for another person. It's most likely caused by a lack of an understanding of the gospel in that believer's own life. The world will tell you it doesn't matter if Jesus loves you because he's not actually the son of God. Your flesh will tell you Jesus can't love you because, I mean, how could he? You know how evil you are. The devil will tell you that Jesus doesn't love you and he will use anything and everything to convince you that that's true. Jesus, however, won't ever tell you that. It's important to be listening to his voice. In his first letter, John, the disciple, writes in chapter 4, verses 12 through 16, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. 
And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. And then later in verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. John says here that we can show God to people if he lives in us. We know when he lives in us because we're in him. We love him because he first loved us. Uh, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, dare I say, <laughs> um, Paul beseeched the Romans by the mercies of God. The mercies of God are the only argument capable of causing a sinful person like you or me to offer our lives as living sacrifices. God sent Jesus to die on the cross, the single greatest act of love, and that is what is needed to motivate us to risk life, limb, reputation for the furtherance of a news so good it can't not be shared. In the 10th Hour Project evangelism class that we taught, there were five essentials, faith, love, obedience, boldness, and prayer. I believe that personally experiencing the gospel is the key to acquiring these essentials. When you believe in the name of Jesus, the fullness and richness of God lives in you. Because you believe in the name of Jesus, that's the only reason. That's what you possess then and can offer to someone else. That's the news that you have faith in. Faith that Jesus loves you, so you must tell them because it's true for them. And this news is so good that it would be criminal to withhold from anyone. So you can boldly confess your love for Jesus and his for you. You can proclaim, he died for me, the worst of all. And since that's true, I know he died for you. He loves me and he loves you. That's the first four essentials right there. Faith that he died for you. Love for him in response to his love for you. Obedience in sharing news too good to be kept for yourself. Boldness to share regardless of consequence. And then we have the fifth essential, prayer. Prayer is the outpouring of a heart that is seized by the powerful affection of Jesus Christ. When you meet Jesus as a Savior and Lord of your life, you begin the experience of a relationship with the one whom, by whom and for whom you were created. This is a real relationship that consists of conversation, assistance, uh, commands, requests, giving and receiving love, learning about him, revealing parts of yourself to him. There are twists and turns. It's exciting. But most of all, there is speaking and sharing of hearts, unfettered communication, constant conversation. I expect that to one degree or another, we have all been in love or seen somebody who is in love. Being in love leads to this specific type of single-mindedness where all the person who is in love can talk about is the one with whom they're in love. The more that you talk to Jesus, the more he builds your faith in him and your faith in the love that he has for you which in turn motivates you to obey his command to tell people about him and to do so boldly. 
prayer as like the perpetual motion engine of the evangelist. We must be near to Jesus to draw others near to him. When we are near him, we will bring others near him. As we walk through the world, we will meet many people who need and want the gospel. But if Jesus' love for us, the good news, isn't the core of our daily lives, we won't have the faith to share it. We won't have the love for a person needed to share it. We won't be obedient to share it. We won't be bold enough to share it. We won't be talking to our, Lord, our loving Father enough to know how precious each of the people we come across is to him. So I pray today that you would join me in asking God to expand how much impact we allow the gospel to have in our own lives so that it may have an increasing impact in the lives of those around us. Here's David with some practical tips about how to spread that good news. Amen. That was awesome, man. That's cool. Awesome. Well, we are going to have some fun tonight. Um, hopefully, you guys already have a, a want to be able to go and share the gospel, right? By now, with what Ina said, and I, can, I think I can attest for everyone, that we, we have a desire to go out and to share the gospel, right? We have a desire, and we know the importance of, man, I, I know it's important, right? It's, hopefully, we're all saved here, and we know that the gospel of Jesus Christ has impacted our life, and so we, we in turn, the, the natural response is to, the natural response after what Ian was saying, once the Holy Spirit is inside of you and has changed your heart by the gospel message of Jesus Christ, the natural response is, we're going to share it with, with someone else so they can experience that same thing, right? But a lot of the time, <clears throat> you know, we go and we're, we're ready, we're ready to go and share the gospel, we're, we're motivated, but we're, nothing comes out. We don't even know where to start, right? We don't even know how to, how to get that open door into a conversation. We're just like, ah, I don't know what to say, right? And so this part, this portion of the class is, this is the portion I taught in 10th hour. It's my favorite part because it's practical ways on how to share the gospel, right? This is the, the doing part of things, right? So I'm really excited to share some, some ways. If, if I'd encourage you to maybe take some notes if you're going to, going to go out and share the gospel, we have five tools that we're going to talk about. Um, and, and again, these are practical ways on how to, how to just get in the door to be able to share the gospel with somebody. Amen? Amen. All right. So we first got to understand, we got to ask ourselves, what is the gospel? It seems like an interesting question and seems maybe like a, a uh, pretty straightforward question, but we got to know fully what we're sharing, right? And so the gospel comes from the Greek word euangelion, which literally means good news. Euangelion, funny enough, is where we get the word evangelism, which means to share the good news, right? And the gospel, like we just said, the gospel isn't just good news, right? It's the best news of your life. It should be. It's the best news of your life. And in light of that fact, 
alone, right? The, the fact that it's changed your life. It literally has transformed your life. Think back when before you were saved, the way you thought, the way you acted about certain situations or when certain stuff came up, the way you responded to those things. It's completely different from what, when, when you accepted Christ, right? And that's the Holy Spirit inside of you changing your life. And it's continuing to change your life in the sanctification process, right? But in light of that fact that it changes lives, it, it, it tells you that it's the best news of your life, right? There's nothing better. The gospel is a simple message. Let me say that again. The gospel is a simple message. Much of the time, whenever we're sharing the gospel, we can convince ourselves that, man, what if I don't know enough? What if I can't preach the gospel in, uh, in, in a way that's, that's articulate or, or, or well said? And, and none of that matters. I think of Paul, right, when he went before the Sadducees and the Pharisees and he said, Man, I didn't come with you with good speech, with good word, with good nothing. All I knew was Christ and him crucified. Amen? Amen? Amen. Right? And that's what we, we use and we call the gospel in a nutshell, which is just John 3.16, right? That's Christ and him crucified, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, right? You don't need to know all these different stuff, right? That's all you need to know as far as sharing the gospel. So you're not off the hook. I'm sorry. If you know John 3.16, you should be out there every day, okay? <clears throat> you don't need to be a theologian, a pastor, or even an evangelist. The gospel is simple enough for a child to understand, yet deep enough for you to spend the rest of your life studying it, right? How... Uh, in that God's grace, that he, uh, he allowed us to be able to read the, the scriptures and to be able to, to understand just a little glimpse of his gospel so that we get to share. But, but also we get to continually read the Bible and get something more and more and more from it. And, and, and we could spend eternity resting and, and, and knowing God's word, the Bible, right? Studying it and, and continue to be changed. Amen? Amen? That's the gospel. Um, and so then we sh we'll shift into the practical ways on how to share the gospel. And I'll say, if I told you to go build a house, and I, I even gave you the, the, the uh, material to be able to go build that house, I gave you the, the want, like I, I, I gave you the, I motivated you to be able to want to be able to go and build that house, so you're, you're ready, you got the material, you, you're excited to go build this house, but we give you no tools to be able to do it, it's going to be a pretty hard job, right? You'd be able to do it, but it, it'd be really hard for you, to, for you to even start, right? And so, again, these are five tools that we're going to talk about tonight. And if you got your notes with you, I'd encourage you to take notes. We have the first is prayer, gospel tracts, five questions, using the law, and using scripture. That's what we're going to talk about tonight, okay? <clears throat> and again, practical ways on how to even get your foot in the door to preaching the gospel to someone, okay? So the first, the first thing that we're going to talk about is prayer, right? Um, this is an essential. And this is one of my favorites because 
Who can attest that prayer makes things personal, right? Prayer always makes things personal. I can have a, an hour-long conversation with somebody and still have that distance. But if I pray 30 seconds with someone, there's like this intimacy, right? That's the Holy Spirit, and that's the power of prayer. It always makes things personal. That's what allows you to be able to preach the gospel with somebody. It's as simple as easy just saying, hey, Christian, can I pray? Is there anything I can pray for you today, right? Is there something specific that you, I can pray for you today? And then once you get that, that open door with someone, whoever it is, whether a stranger at, at, at work or, or at the grocery store or whatever, you can be able to pray the gospel right there. You say, Lord Jesus, thank you for this moment that I got to, to see Christian. Lord, I pray for her. I pray that, Lord, she would know that you died for her and that you sent your only son um, so that Whoever believes in you shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Pray the gospel, right? That's, that's, prayer is the open door for you to be able to pray the gospel and in turn share the gospel, right? That's, that's the most easiest way on to be able to say, just saying, hey, can I pray for you? And as we go along this list, guys, each thing is supposed to be personal, that's what, that's, it's called conversational evangelism. That's the class we're teaching today. It's, it's a conversation. And to be able to have a conversation with someone, you got to get personal. And so if you're not really ready to get personal with somebody, you got to check yourself, right? Because Jesus was, didn't hesitate to be personal with you, yeah. right? So it's, it's being personal with somebody to be able to share your faith with someone. Amen? Amen. Right? The second one is gospel tracks. You got one? My man. This guy. This guy. If you guys don't know what a gospel track is, it's a small card with the gospel message on the back of it. It's very convenient to carry, quick and easy to hand out, you put it in your pocket. Um, you'll see the 10th hour crew using these a lot. This is, this is probably my, my, our most used one because it, it really leads to a longer conversation. It's one of the best things to be able to say, hey, did you get one of these, man? And then once they accept it, you'll be able to, to, to move on with, with the conversation, be able to preach the gospel with, with them, right? Um, fun note, don't ever say, hey, do you want one of these? Because they're going to say no, right? <laughs> but did you get one of these? It implies that they're missing out on something, right? And they are. They're missing out on the gospel. So, hey, did you get one of these? Hey, bro, did you get one of these? Okay, cool. So they've taken the gospel track, right? You're able to say, yeah, hey, bro, this is just a gospel message. And, and sometimes it's got like little things on, on there that like that one said VIP. I like to say, hey, did you get one of these? It just says that you're a very important person and that Jesus Christ loves you. Then from there, you're able to go into a longer conversation, which leads us to our next tool, Five questions, okay? And these are talking points. And your goal in this is to find out what they're putting your trust in, let them answer, and hear them out, okay? I, I don't really like when in evangelism people tend to, to have a conversation with someone and, and they're the only ones that are talking, yeah. right? They're just saying, hey, this and this and this, Jesus did this and you need to do this and blah, 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 and then it's done. Because it's more of like a, just an information drop rather than a conversation, right? And so this allows you to be able to get to know them. Again, personal, guys. You, you're getting to know 
uh, this person? And these questions might not be you know, the exact questions that you, you want to ask, right? It's, it's whatever um, person is in front of you. If you want to say, hey, I like that hat. Where'd you get that hat? Or, you know, whatever to make, just make it personal, guys, because that's going to be able to, you're talking about a personal thing. And so you're going to want to get into a personal conversation, right? To be able to share the gospel with someone. But these five questions, you can use these. First one is, do you have any kind of spiritual belief, Right? Guys, there's a lot of different spiritual beliefs out there. It's like, man, I don't, I don't even know. I'm not even going to try to to um, to get the uh, the exact number, but yeah, there's a lot. Um, and uh, depending on what kind of spiritual belief they have, depends on the kind of conversation they have. Right? You're going to have a different conversation with a Muslim than you are an atheist, right? And so the second question is to you, who is Jesus? I'm going to go off on a little tangent here because probably the most, uh, the biggest thing that's impacted me on sharing the gospel is the fact that everyone has some sort of misconception of who they think Jesus is, right? Everyone knows Jesus, right? If you, if you talk about, and I'm not, I'm not talking about third world countries, right, who haven't heard the name of Jesus. I'm talking about here in America, the people that you're with, right? Everyone knows Jesus, right? But it's, do they know the real Jesus, right? I'll share a story. We were, we were on the beach of, of Myrtle Beach, right? We're walking with uh, our, our crew. And um, we, we come across this 70-year-old guy who, you know, grew up in the Catholic church and just bitter, just bitter. And, and he thought that Jesus hated him. And he thought that Jesus only wanted to, only cared about his sin and only wanted him to repent and confront his sin. And I said, dude, that's not the real Jesus, man. He loves you. He cares about you. And we started sharing scripture with him and we started telling him about the real Jesus of the Bible, right? Because a lot of different religions teach a different Jesus. Some people think that he was just a prophet who had some good things to say. Some people think that he hates you and, and that he ju- does want to judge you and um, others think that he's, you know, this guy who doesn't care about sin. But it's, it's using grace and truth, both, to share them the real Jesus, right? And we did. We shared him the real Jesus. And I said, man, I'm, uh, I said, based on this Jesus that you're hearing about now, I know you heard about this other Jesus. That's so not the real Jesus. This Jesus that we're talking, telling you about today, would you like to accept that Jesus? And he said, yeah, I'd like to accept Jesus. And man, he got saved right there on the spot. And so everyone has this misconception of who Jesus is. And so it's tearing down that, that misconception um, that they've created or, or that the enemy has sought to, to, to create in their, in their brain, and it's giving them the real one, right? So the, that's the second question. The third question is, if you died right now, where would you go? Um, make it a hypothetical. If, if you died, right, where would you go? The same thing is number four, if there is a heaven, will you go there? Make it a hypothetical because not many people believe in a literal heaven or hell. But to say, man, if, if there was a heaven or hell, you know, in afterlife, if you died, where would you go? And if there was a heaven, would you go there, right? <clears throat> and uh, number five, why would God let you in to heaven if it's yes? And what's the most uh, answered, what's the most uh, answered question to that? It's because I'm a good person. That's a bunch of baloney. 
baloney. It is. And it, it's, man, it's, this is like one of the big lies that the enemy seeks to use. We love to be self-righteous, don't we? We love it. We love to be able to say, I did it. I've got it. I'm good, right? But it's, it's the, the biggest lie. If, you, if anyone in, in here tonight is thinking that he's a, he or she is a good person or someone watching online, sorry to burst your bubble, you're not. And how do we know that? This, the, the next tool, which is using the law. Um, we, we call it the, the good person test, right? You think you're a good person. Let me show you the law or the Ten Commandments where we get Nexus 23 through 17, right? You shall know the gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image. You shall not steal. You shall not covet, um, you know, and so on and so forth. And, and Jesus even took the law to the heart. He says in Matthew 5, 21, if you hate someone within your heart, you've murdered them in your heart. And if, if you look with lust, he says in Matthew 5, 28, you commit adultery in your heart. So he took, he took the law that, that was pretty hard to, to keep to begin with. And he took the two easiest laws to like, ah, I'm not really a murderer. I'm not going to really covet. And he, he's like, well, yeah, yeah, I already have. So sorry about that. Um, and he took it to the heart, right? Um, this is how we know we're not good people. This is God's standard. That's the whole point of the Old Testament is to be able to say, look, you guys, you guys sinned right? You're, you separated yourselves from me and you can't do anything. You, you can't, this is my standard and you can't keep this standard. You, it's impossible for you to. And so I'm going to send my son, I'm going to send myself because I'm perfect and I'm able to keep all these things. I'm going to come down and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fulfill this law. I'm not going to destroy it because it's still my word, but I'm going to fulfill the law, right? And so he did come, and that's, that's where he showed his grace. But, but that's the whole point of the law. The fact that we're good people, when, when, when someone says I'm a good person, implies that Jesus died for nothing, yeah. right? Because if we're good people, there's nothing to die for, yeah. Yeah. right? But he did. He came. Guys, thank God Jesus kept all these things perfectly. You understand that? Throughout his entire life. I don't know when Jesus went into heaven. Maybe, what is he, 30, 30, 32? But he, 32 years of his life keeping all the, the Old Testament laws and scriptures and everything for you. For you. So you, so you wouldn't have to keep all those things. You could, you could just say, no, I believe in Jesus Christ and I'm good. I'm saved. Amen, right? Praise God. And so we're not good people, right? <clears throat> um, with that, you guys have heard the term law to the proud and grace to the humble. This talks about if you, you might come in contact with a lot of different people, okay? And this is what makes it personal, right? You might come in contact with someone who, who does say, I'm going to heaven, I'm, I'm a good person. That's when you're able to say, well, have you taken the good person test? You might run into someone who says, man, no. God would never let me in. I've, I've sinned too much. That's when you're able to say, tell them about the good news of God's grace, right? And let me tell you guys, it's all about grace. It really is. Once someone knows the truth already, they need grace, you're right? Um, and so that's when you're able to, to, to shower upon, the, man, no, this is why it's good news. Yeah. 
This is why I wanted to come to you and talk to you about Jesus Christ today is because, no, yeah, we, we are bad people. That, that same guy that was talking about Jim uh, when we were in Myrtle Beach, uh, we were going through the law with him, and, and he, said, uh, he said something along the lines of, you guys just think I'm a bad person, right? But you guys are good people. And we're like, no, we're not good people. <laughs> we're, we're just as you, man. We're, we're, we're not good people. And he was like, well, well how does that work? What, you know, how, what's, what are we supposed to do? Jesus Christ did it all, man, right? You can clap to that. Go ahead. Jesus Christ did it. That's when you're able to talk about the good news of God's grace. Um, the, the last tool is the most important. Um, I want everyone to lift up your Bible. If you got it, lift it up. And I want everyone in one voice in unison to say, this changed my life. This changed my life. You believe that? The words, look, look so much of the time when I'm, preaching the gospel, I can say too much, and I can put my foot in my mouth a lot. But this thing that we hold, guys, is the literal words of God. God's words that are eternal, right? Boom, mind blown, right? And we get to share that with someone. We get to, we get to say, man, let me, let me share with you Romans 2.23. That talks about the issue of sin. Let me share with you Romans 6.23, which talks about the penalty of sin. Let me, sh- let me talk to you about John 3.3, 3, how to have a relationship with Jesus. Let me ta- talk about Revelation 3.20, the, the idea that we can accept or reject him, right? And so on and so forth. And I want to encourage you guys, what, either take, take a Bible with you while you're sharing the gospel, because you're going to need it, or memorize it. Memorize some scripture, and God will give you the words, right? What did he say to the disciples right before he was going to die? He said, no, I'll give you the words to speak when you become, you know, stand in front of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Don't, don't think about what you're going to say. I'm going to give you the words to speak, and he did, right? This is the, the words of God, right? I love this, this, this saying, this, uh, was it, what's a quote, right, from Charles Spurgeon. He said, the word of God is like a lion, you don't have to defend the lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose, and the lion will defend itself, right? We're not the lion, right? And that's something that you need to hear tonight about all these different tools is that you can't do it. <laughs> it's kind of funny, right? You can't. You can't do it. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through you, that lion that we sung about tonight, roaring with power, are you in your right mind going to be able to, to share the gospel with someone? So seek him, know him, right? Use these things. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, Hannah's going to come up and share about some common misconceptions and such. So give it up. Guys, this is amazing. <laughs> This changes everything. Um, good evening. <laughs> I wanted to start with a passage from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. If you want to open up to that, it'd be cool. Listen to these words. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. This is Paul writing to Timothy, acknowledging like the cost, it, the price it costs the risk that it takes to follow Jesus in their context. 
And it, this passage struck me as a description for the heart of evangelism. So picking, speaking of God, picking up in verse 9. God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me, in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. There's so much purpose and exhortation in these verses, and we'll get to that. But anyways, I am not an expert evangelist. Even after eight months and 10th hour... In 2020, from Calvary Chapels in New York to California, I taught on the common misconceptions there are when it comes to the gospel, and I had no clue what I was saying. Even though I taught on these points because it was part of the program that I was responsible for, I had no clue what I was saying because I questioned every single word and I doubted critically. I couldn't understand anything, and I found nothing but frustration in trying. Um, I wrote a lot of poetry to God during this time, saying... Just things like, God, bring me low if you care. And um, is eternity really enough to figure everything out? Um, and after about a year of thinking through all of this that God has been revealing, all I can say is that I'm trusting, I'm learning to trust that he makes all things beautiful in his time. And therefore, I have nothing to teach tonight, but I have a lot of words to share. So one of the topical verses for evangelism is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. This is, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, but do this with gentleness and respect. And this word defense comes from the Greek word apologia, which means to make a reasoned argument for. And so as agents for Christ is so gifted, they've made many resources for making answers for this defense. So the common misconceptions that are listed are, I said the sinner's prayer, so I'm good. And I was raised in a Christian family. And I'll just ask for forgiveness after I die. While sharing all these points with my term, during my term, all I could think about how as a child, every night for so many years, I would beg God to save me before I fell asleep, to make sure, me sure that I was a Christian. And night after night, even during 10th hour, I could never find that assurance. And so... I was never sure, like, what about all those verses about seeking and finding? Was I too disobedient or unhonest? Did I not pray or read my Bible enough? I was surely far from perfect, but I was trying, and what is enough? So looking back now, the only answer um, of comfort that I've received is that God gives assurance in his time. I don't know his purpose for that, and maybe there were things about his character that I misunderstood, and he needed to untangle that before teaching me more. Uh, I remind, I say this as a way to remind you that there's no like cookie cutter answers to people and everyone has different perspectives and God needs to meet them where they are. Don't try to be the Holy Spirit in someone's life. Yeah. Um, the list of common objections are the Bible's unreliable and there's no God and all roads lead to heaven. Um, have you experienced why these objections are untrue? I always thought that 
like all everything that was said about the gospel would be so powerful if it was personal. Anyways, it's truly important to have a defense to answer these questions, these statements, sorry. Consider John 14, 6, where Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And ask yourself this question. Do you have misconceptions about God? You probably do. He is immense and big and divine and wise, all-powerful. He knows everything, way more than we do. Are you willing to admit that everything you have ever assumed about life and existence could be wrong? That's really scary to consider. Whenever I do, my soul cries, then what is there to hold on to? And that's why so many people around us feel that life is meaningless. So the point is in knowing that all we really have that is sure is God's word. And the point is to commit to holding on or holding all of our personal knowledge with open hands because his word is that all that's really steady. It's cool that he still gives us the ability to learn and everything and have experiences, but that can't be what we hold on to. Um, his word is everything. So let's think about how God is an author or the author. In the beginning was the word. He spoke everything into being. He wrote all of the scientific and mathematical and musical laws that we've only learned a little bit about. And he chose us to give us a book, a really big book in our language that we can memorize and learn and meditate on. And in Revelation, we've been reading that God has books in heaven. And Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. That's pretty personal. <laughs> so going back to the passage from 2 Timothy, do you know whom you have believed? Do you recognize what seriously wondrous love this is? The way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Jesus, and he proved himself to be true. You may have heard of the acronym MAPS, and you'll probably hear it again. But it's nice to have memorized. It's just a list of a few reasons that we know the Bible is actually reliable. So M stands for manuscripts, over 24,000 copies of the New Testament have been handwritten, and that's more than any other historical document. And then A is for archaeology, that's proof of the Bible's history, because there's more discoveries being found, being discovered every year. <laughs> that proves the Bible. P stands for prophecy. And over 2,000 prophecies in the Bible have already been fulfilled. And the chances of only 48 being fulfilled is 1 to 10 in the 157th power. In 10th hour, I would say right there. And that's a lot of zeros. <laughs> and it made people laugh, so that's how I knew it was right. <laughs> and S is for sanctification. It's proven by its ability to change our lives today. And how I longed for the day when talking about this would be a joyous thing. <laughs> this is the truth of the Bible's authority that I'm talking about. Um, that's why our lives have been changed, and that's why we come together to sing and share stories and spread the good news. Just like the exalt, equip, engage pattern that we find in scriptures, and um, it's been true in past ages, it's true in our lives now, and God doesn't lie. That's the future that he will fulfill. So now when it comes to evangelizing, let us look at 1 John 1, 3 through 4. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. 
Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he says, what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. Remember that, this, remember that his command is summed up in loving God and loving others. Uh, 1 Timothy 2, verse 4 says, God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of him, of the truth. Um, do you know him? Will you obey him? Because all that God wants is for our hearts to be willing. Yeah. Maybe you're an expert evangelist. Maybe not. Maybe you're apathetic. Maybe you wish you cared more than you actually do. Um, please, trust his timing. Hold fast to his word because we can only be simply willing for him to change our heart. Um, and we are more hungry than we know. We need him. Maybe you're unsure. Do you doubt a lot? You shouldn't be surprised by that, by our frail composition. Um, God knows our frame. As you think through the questions in your heart, ask if you believe that God is bigger and wiser than the box of inquiries that you might feel stuck inside. Please trust him with your answers and hold fast to his word. His thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are higher. Uh, maybe you feel that you don't know enough. David kind of um, talked about John 3.16, gospel in a nutshell. You can hold fast to that. God is so much bigger than what you know. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 says, Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. He saw to it that the world would never know him through what we know. Abide in him and stay with him and listen for a small voice as he leads you to the world that he so loves. Uh, let's finish up with reading again part of, that, of the exhortation to Timothy. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me, in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. The good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Listen, you are not required to reach one person a day. And your goal cannot be to be a hero in someone else's life. All that matters is to know and to share the love of God. The salvation of lost souls is not dependent on you. But God has called us to participate in his work. And that's our purpose. Um, we read in Isaiah chapter 55 that the rain doesn't just fall to rise back up to the clouds. The rain falls to refresh and nurture and provide for nations. And just the same as God's word. May I add Jesus, who did not come to earth without cause. The word of life came to accomplish and prosper as God pleases. Do we know whom we have believed? Are we persuaded that he's able to keep, preserve, Guard all that we commit and surrender to him. Also, God has committed a good thing to us, his word. Um, and the more you read his word, the more that you'll understand his heart for every individual that you pass by. The high and lofty author of eternity has adopted us and made, his mes made us messengers and stewards of his word. So all we can do is be simply willing, surrendered, and holding fast to his word. So... That's all I have for today, folks. Remember, God made you special and he loves you very much. Here at CCNE, there are so many events happening throughout the week, so make sure you're subscribed to the weekly e-bulletin so you can be fully informed of all that we're doing. 
For more info or if there are any prayer requests you'd like to share with us, be sure to visit us at ccnortheast.org.